Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm back for... No, 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 Adele. What's it been like? What's it been like? I think it's the first time since 2016, for sure. We're back. I'm back. You've seen a lot of Alex. You haven't seen a lot of me. But You're still alive. I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. Been busy with some with some things, but we're back with another episode of the Rush Podcast, and got a lot to talk about again. Um, what do you? I mean, I'm rusty, bro. I'm rusty. I'm I, mean, rusty. I, just, I want to talk. Hey, we previewing the poll. We pre nah nah. We're previewing the poll. We're previewing the poll. <laughs> Hey, you know that's funny because we can't even like. I mean, it's nice because I get the day off. But we can't. Yeah, even, I was gonna. I've been having that. We can't even work tomorrow. Yeah, though. Like right. even if we wanted to open, they got they got the two streets that that lead into my business. They got them closed. They blocked off, so we that's can't even really get in there funny. even if we wanted to to work. But on in other news, uh, UTEP's won four games in a row. Man, basketball team doing pretty well, scoring a lot of points. Exciting to watch. Well, something that I didn't want to get into, but we might as well just get into it. The stretch before that, though. I mean, that that's oh, that's oh, oh. that's so, we so right. Going. So right before we get I, on the I air, you're talking like, about I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go into this bad place. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and the first chance you get, you take it back to to the losing chick. No, you know what, man? It it is um, it, it's crazy to think where this team was just a few short months ago. You know, you start off six and zero. There's so much hype. Um, you come off that huge comeback win against Colorado State. You had no business really winning. Yeah, you really didn't. In fact, you know, you could have said the same thing against uh, Southern Illinois because yeah. you had a, a rough stretch there. But, you know, you're sitting at 6-0, and and I don't think anybody could have projected that, that two months later, you know, you'd be 11-11 and at, what is it, like 4-8 and in conference or 5-7. It's just – it's crazy, like – you know, this isn't a year where you've seen these ups and downs as far as injuries or, you know, ineligible people. Or, you know, we've had great issues in the past. We've had a gambling issue a few years back. We've had injuries. We've had so on. But this year, you've pretty much had your team together throughout from start to finish. I mean, Matt Wilms, we knew from the beginning that it could have been any day that he, he'd be out for the rest of the year. And it happened early. So you've had this team since pretty much day one, and, and they just – been on this wild ride, man. It started so high. You, you, we thought the, 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 you know, we just had the such high hopes for this team, and they just came crashing down so quickly. I mean, it's nice to see them come back with the with the four straight wins, but I mean, what what do you make of all this, man? There, there was just a stretch there where it was like, okay, has Floyd? I mean, you know, we, we've we've gone on this show before and talked about our take on Floyd and how we feel that you know it's it's probably time to definitely move on. But, you know, at, there was just that stretch of that. When they lose in those, those six out of seven games where it's like, has, has he really lost them? You know, you know, you're talking about going into Middle Tennessee and UAB where they actually played well, but at the time you're running into a buzzsaw because they both were playing pretty well at the time. So, okay, you know, you can accept that. But the real nightmare is when you go in and you blow a 17, 16-point lead in the second half of UTSA. That's where, yeah, that's, that's where really the questions, you know, not it's really not more of a question but like a stamp, like, okay, you know, has he really officially lost his team? And then you come back home, you handle Florida Atlantic, which is supposed to. You don't really play well, but you you hold them to under 60 points. You get a couple guys going, but it's still – you can just still feel that it's just not all there. And then FIU just comes in and destroys you. I mean, there's no other way to put that. That was a 10-point game, but FAU, FIU just destroyed the Miners. And then that laid, that led into the disaster in Southern Miss. La Tech, you, you played well, you know – Right, that La Tech game showed some hope, and then the magical weekend of the '66 tournament comes along, and Floyd kind of admits that, okay, look, we're just gonna let these guys go. We're gonna let our horses go. Something we sat here and talked about in October, thinking, look, this is the way you might want to go with this team yeah. because we saw it happen against Colorado State. You know, they, they've gone away from having a guy like Hooper Vent in there that needs his touches instead of, look, let's spread the floor, let's use our speed and athleticism. And that's really been, 
you know, it's like a come to Jesus moment. You know, yeah. we're seeing Sean Coogler have that as we'll get into with the coaches. And now Tim Floyd's having it now. Is it too late? You know, I personally don't think it is because let's just be honest. You're not winning. You know, with this schedule, regardless, it's going to be hard to get an automatic bid. We're seeing that, how weak the league is. So it's all about Birmingham. Yeah. But it is good to see, like you said, you go into that dark place where you're just sitting here thinking, damn, Floyd's going to retire see, at the end of this year. And then they get on this little That's role. the beauty of college basketball. Yeah. Because you you can have teams, and you've seen it over and over in the NCAA UAB. tournament, where they're not, not just UAB last year. I mean, UAB was was middle of the pack. You've, you've seen teams in, in small leagues that go – you know, 14 and 18, you know, and all of a sudden they're in the, in the NCAA tournament. That's the beauty of it. You can go on a run late. You can get hot late. And everything that happened in November, December, and January just doesn't even matter anymore. But the problem that I see with this team is, is they're only, and I've told you this multiple times this year, they're only as good as their jump shot. And, and at times, you know, when everything's in rhythm and it's flowing, man, they're great. They can shoot it. They can score points. But when you can't get to the rim, when you can't rebound the basketball and you can't defend, at some point your balloon's going to be burst, man, at some point. And and I just don't know that I could trust these guys. Not even trust – I don't know if trust is the right word, but just count on them to to go four or five days in a in a Conference USA tournament. I think – is it five days now or is it's, it four days? Actually, it's five because there is a, there is a – uh quote looks like a playoff play game. Game, play uh, game. You know, even though it's a part of the bracket, but you're basically playing in so to play even, the first even round. at four days, I mean, can this team really go four days back to back to back to back shooting like they have been these last couple of weeks, you know, scoring like they have been? If you have to score ninety or a hundred points to win a basketball game, man, I mean, you got some trouble. I mean, yeah. it, it's just no question there's no two ways about it. You know, you bring up you bring up the whole thing of Floyd with with, you know, we thought he was going to retire, and is it time? And you know what, dude? Honestly, it is. It is time. It's time that we all accept it. I've said it many a times for years now, literally at least two years, if not more. And I've never really come on this show to say it. I've been pissed off at Floyd. I've been pissed off at the basketball teams in, in years past, disappointed. I've never really come out and said it publicly, but I've told you many a times. I've told friends and family many a times. We, we won't win with, with, with Tim Floyd at the helm. I, I'm sorry to say it. It's time that we come to that realization and we just start to move on. You know, I don't know if it's just that Coach Floyd is at a point in his career where he doesn't have anything to prove anymore. I don't know if he's just not able to get the guys that he wants to, to, to take this program where he needs to go. Or maybe his, maybe his whole, uh, you know, thought process of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done is just not right for this program. Maybe it worked at Iowa State. Maybe it worked at USC. It's not necessarily meaning that it's working here. At this point, you know, I like what I'm seeing from this team. They're exciting to watch. But is this the kind of basketball that's going to take us there, you know, to the next level to get us to that NCAA tournament point? I, I don't know. I think it's time that, that, you know, Tim Floyd step aside. And I think we need to get some young blood in there, man. I think we need to go back. You know, everybody talks about, well, you know, what, who, who are we going to get? If, if Tim Floyd goes, who are we going to get? Everybody, you know, we shouldn't be worried about a name. And I think I mentioned this to you, too, a couple of weeks ago. UTEP has never been – a school that has gotten names. You know, we're not a, a school that's going to attract big names. Bob Saul, when he came here and did well, was not a name for himself. You know, you look at Don Haskins. Don Haskins wasn't a name. Don Haskins was a high school girls basketball coach. You know? And he came in here and he made a name for himself. You look at the at the past success that we've had in basketball in the, in the past two decades, you know, with, with Gillespie. He, he, who, was, who was Billy? You think about here. the only name maybe was Barbie. You know what I mean? Just, but just because he was an assistant yeah, under and, count, and, under and, that, and I don't even know if you consider that a name, but yeah, you're but right. But that's by the highest quote-unquote profile. And I that. think we need to get back to that. You know, you need to get back to this to this thing. And that's why that's why as much as I can't stand the way Sean Kugler runs his his, well, I guess I can say the offense. You know, I don't like the style of football that they play, but I can live with it. Because you know he wants to win. He coaches with that fire like he's got something to prove. And that's what you need. No matter if it's a name or not, that's what you need. Yeah, and I mean, you, you see, I mean, Floyd has always been a, a, an animated character, I guess you could say, on the sideline, you know. So, you know, you, you can't question his passion. But, it's, you know, you, you get into some of these post games and it's kind of almost at the beginning or during that losing streak before conference, it's kind of like, oh, shucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Compared to – you know, where a, a past, you know, past couple of years when they would lose a, a game, you know, I'd go back to the FAU game or the New Orleans game, you know, when you had those seniors, you had Bo and, 
Julian, that was that demeanor. You know what I mean? But I mean, but there is, you know, I, I don't want to come out here and say I'm on the Floyd bandwagon, but I think there is a slight type of, of I guess, kudos, if you want to say, as I said, I don't think it's a full kudos, but for him realizing that, look, you know, you have four really, really good guards, space the floor and let them go. And, and you're seeing that not, not only are the shots falling, but during this win streak, I was crunching some numbers. I'm going to have a, a, a breakdown, offensive breakdown of this uh, little, you know, four-game slide. I'm going to have that up on the website tomorrow. But they're averaging 42.5 points in the paint in these four games. You're just seeing, a, you know, ball movement. You're seeing better IQ, like they're coached. You know, I think we even said, come on, I, I came on the podcast a couple, maybe two or three times I remember saying this where, you know, to me, you always hear that cliche, oh, they're well coached. I've never really heard a coach other than Kermit Davis say that about Tim Floyd. And why just Kermit Davis? Well, we all know they were, you know, sisters together. You know, he, you can call Kermit Davis a Floyd disciple if you want to, you know, it, it, but I'm seeing that this team is getting coached up. And not only are they getting coached up, but they're playing more freely and they're playing, they're having fun. You know, we've always noticed that, you know, somebody makes a mistake, what are they doing? Looking at the bench. You know, now they're making a mistake. You see a lead more smile at somebody and pat them on the butt and they're huddling together. I've never seen a Tim Floyd team huddle at the free throw line. You never. Do you think? Rarely. Just little things yeah, like that that I true. think that, that are that are kind of evolving this particular group because maybe they're younger, because they're a different type of generation than what we've had in the past. And you're maybe seeing Floyd evolve, but, I mean, you just don't but know. That's my question. Do you think it's just because he's realizing at this point in the season that he has no other choice I think, I think, yep. but to open things up and just let them go out there and play? Or do you think he's actually evolving as a coach? Do you think he's actually considering changing his style of coaching? Nah. I mean, next year, are we going to come into next year with Floyd? Honestly, Tim Floyd, is, even though I just said what I said about I think it's time to go, he's not going to get fired. Nah. He's not going to get fired this year. And And you know what? I mean, it is what it is. But do you think he's going to come in next year and, and, and all of a sudden open it up and nope. go, hey, guys, let's get out there and let's just play, go have fun? No, nah, he's going to get back to what he knows, what get, he you wants have, to You do. have Matt Williams coming back. You have uh, uh, Kelvin Jones is supposed to be, you know, I'm not a big fan of Kelvin yet, but you have those big guys, which is, gonna, which is his excuse to go back. And I still don't think they're going to be a good defensive team. I mean, regardless. They say, it's not – see, defense isn't something that you can coach. Right. It, it, you got to want to play defense. Yep. You have to want to play defense. And that's what we're missing. And, you know, it's kind of disappointing because – and I, you know what? I'll be honest. I haven't seen as much UTEP basketball this year as I have in, in years past. I've been so busy with other things in my life that I haven't been able to to watch every single minute of every single game like I have in years past. But – Either way, you know, what I, what I have seen, I just don't see that desire to want to, to, want to play defense. And especially from – and I'm not trying to single him out as a guy that doesn't want to do it, but I just expected more of him, Irvin Morris. Yeah. Last year he was a guy that we put up there with a guy like Julian Washburn. You know, when you had Julian Washburn as a shutdown defender and you had Irvin Morris as a guy that was maybe not quite Julian Washburn was, but he was up there as a defender yeah. – you don't see that this year. And that's just more of an identity that the team has. They're just not a defensive team. They want to get out there and they just want to play street ball. And that's why you see them go out and score 112 points. But it's also why you see them lose to a team like UTSA. Because, look, when the shots don't fall, there's, I mean, there's nothing that you can do about it. If a team is playing better team basketball than you and you're not hitting your shots, you're not going to win the game. It doesn't matter if that other team is 4-22. And, and think about the past guy like C.J. Cooper wasn't hitting or a guy like Washington. What do you do? You throw it inside the Ventonio. You throw it in the setting lane because high percentage of the time they're going to make the layup. Higher percentage of the time they're going to get fouled and get to the free throw line. I know. Now you don't have that this yeah. year. So, you know, when Morris is pulling up from 17 and it's clank and then Artis does his little dipsy dude dungaroo 17-footer clank and then Harris gets a wide open three and clanks for a stretch, what do you do? And those, You're those down stretches, Those stretches are so crucial in basketball games. Like, people don't realize, you know, you look at a box score and you just see, oh, this guy missed a couple shots and you don't think anything of it. But when it's shots like that, when it's, when it's not in not in the flow of the game, you know, the flow of the offense. And you're trying to put somebody away. And, and you're not getting, you know, back on defense. And all of a sudden, you miss two or three quick shots in a row, and that team's getting out on a fast break and getting a layup. You know, you turn a five-point lead into a five-point deficit in no time. Or you turn a five-point deficit into a 15-point deficit in no time. Like we've yep. seen time and time again with this team where they've been down double digits. You know, so it's just it, – it's a, it's a completely different style that we've, we haven't been used to under Florida. And you know what? I do give him – not a pass, because I think no matter what, in my opinion, if you're a good coach, and I'm not saying Coach Floyd is not. I think he's good in certain areas. But a, but a, a, a good coach is going to get the best 
out of what he's got all year long. Always. All year long, not just at a certain and, point. And, and that's why, you know, you look at a guy like Calipari, who might be the best college basketball coach, I don't know if I'll say ever, but in, uh, in, recent, recent, memory, in, in yeah. recent memory. I mean, of course, Coach K, there's a lot of great coaches out there, but, but Calipari, everybody talks about, oh, well, he gets these, these best talents. These are still 18, 17, 18-year-old kids that are going up against juniors and seniors at other, at other universities. So it's not so much about the talent always. It's about getting the most out of those players. And that's something that a guy like Cal – always does he gets the best and the most out of his players and you just you, you don't see that a lot from floyd coach players you know we waited for julian washburn maybe he just wasn't that type of player but we waited for julian washburn to bloom for four years and you saw you saw flashes of it here and there where he'd go off for 18 or 20 points and be like there it is you know but it just never came out yeah, those you know, four, for, four for 12 nine, yeah cj cooper was was the same thing and you know john bohannon never really flourished into that player that we expected him to be you know on a consistent 20 and 12 or whatever it is, you know, you just, I don't know what it is, man, but you just, you, we haven't seen that type of progression from these players out of Floyd. He's just not getting the most out of what he's got. We expected, even though Dominic Artis has done well, we expected a lot out of this. Kid. We, now, maybe we expected too much. I don't know. But, you know, do you feel like Coach Floyd has gotten the most out of Dominic Artis, Artis this year? Not in this last stretch. Yes. But like you said, it, it's about consistency. It's not about, you know, okay, yeah, you want like we mentioned earlier, you want to be playing this well late in the year. But I mean, our, Dominic Artis is, is for one is a gym rat. I mean, this guy eats, sleeps, lives basketball. You know, so it shouldn't really be hard to get through him. And, and I know you, when you say that about Cal, I have the same opinion because you probably watched some of his interviews where he talks about that. You know, openly. You know, where he says how you know, yeah, we may get the you know one of the best recruiting classes in the history of recruiting. But it's a pain in the ass to get these guys. I mean, it's true. It, it, and Floyd says the same thing as well. But, you know, Cal just has that charisma or whatever it is to get it out of them. And I really think when you talk about the development, you know, we have another group of guys to kind of watch and see, you know, now, you, do we want to give Floyd, Floyd time? You already know that answer. The fact is Floyd is going to get that time yeah. to develop these guys from this. So that's the second wave because – you know, that first clouded wave of, of, you know, after Barbie's boys left, you know, it was clouded because no, the guys that were going to come didn't come, you know, in, in a sense. So you're dealing with, you know, a set of three guys that were pillars over the last four years, which everybody knows about. And now you're having more pillars of those guys that Morris won't be back, but you have a lead more that's back for next year, possibly another year. Artists should be coming back. So it, it, that should, will be the ultimate judgment of, of how much is he getting out of these guys because it's not a one and done like Calipari or it's something new every year. He's going to have the same group that has played well in this stretch of the season and a 6-0 start where we can really gauge, okay, is Floyd really developing these guys? Is, is he do, this way and that I he's know. doing it? Because like you mentioned, he's do, it, this is probably something different the way that he's building this program compared to what he did at yeah. USC where he's grabbing DeRozan's and maybe even going back to, to Idaho or, no, or New Orleans. So, you know, it, it's like you want to have patience with Floyd, but this is Utah basketball, man. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, this is and, and I understand, you know, Floyd has had some, some bad things happen to him along the way. Yeah. You know, you, you go back to that one guy that never ended up coming here. I can't remember his Jake name Thomas? anymore. No, 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 that one guy that, that committed on ESPN. Remember he had that oh. big thing? What was his name? Oh, um. Uh, penis breath. Oh, oh, <laughs> you know, you go back to the situation. You go back to to the gambling situation. You know, you have Vince Hunter, who's you see what he's doing right now in the D League. If that guy was, if that guy was playing for UTEP right now, I mean, come on, thirty Nate Smith. Jesus. Can you say Nate? Jesus, like thirty-seven and twenty-four, whatever it was a few weeks back in the D League, and I mean, a lot of things have not gone Floyd's way. But at the same time, I feel like he has asked for those things. And he's raised the, the athletes to recruit, and we've talked yeah, about that Yeah, before. definitely. But, you know, I, I look back at, at one key situation that took place the moment he arrived. And I wasn't in the locker room, so I can't say, you know, oh, I know exactly how things went down, but Arnett Moultrie. And then right after that, Myron Strong. But, yeah, yeah, and but, I'm but not that, worried but, about no. Myron, but, you know, you have Arnett Moultrie, who's arguably your best returning player, potential NBA draft pick, um, and you're coming in as a new coach, and, and you try to, to set down the law and be like, 
you're either going to come here and play your four years or I don't want you here. Because that's a, according to what I've heard, that's how it went down. Right. Now, I don't know the exact conversation, but that's basically what happened. And Arnett said, well, I want to test the waters. And he's like, if you test the waters, you're, you're not on the team. Well, this guy's like, peace, I'm out. I can go play at any school I want to. You know, I, I mean, maybe not any, but the dude went and played at Mississippi yeah, he, State. I he mean, landed, he, yeah, he landed and real so, well. like, that kind of set the tone for a lot of the way things have gone for Tim Floyd. You know, we've seen a number of defections since he's been here. Since year one, he, he came in, and, and I just remember that first recruiting class. Or maybe it was the second year because he came in late the first year, but the, his first full recruiting class. With Darius Nelson and Shanti Harris, Harris, I think, was in that. You had a lot of guys, and a lot of different things happened to those players, but almost none of them. Perez, Perez wasn't Mike Perez. That's another one. You know, almost Moore, the other not McKenzie Moore, but the man Moore too. The one that ended up at uh, Wisconsin was in uh, Green Bay or something like that, and he was in the tournament. I mean, there was a bunch of them, and 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 none of them panned out here. I think the only one that was a part of that group was C.J. Cooper, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, it's just been that way under Floyd since he got here. I don't know what it is. I don't – I mean, I, I'm not trying to make excuses or I don't know what, but it's just like it's it, – it, that tone was set the day he got here, and it just seems like it's continued on. And so maybe he's had bad breaks, but I also think he hasn't helped himself in a lot of ways. And that's why we get this middle-of-the-road mediocre basketball, mediocre finishes in the end because – that's, I mean, that's just what you get when you, when you do things the way you've done them. I, and, and, and that's my take about, you know, when we talk about, you know, Floyd has, has, has run his time. It's not about because, oh, this team sucks this year or no, it, it's been, there's a, been a pattern. You can even go back to the, to the damn, to me, which is embarrassing. The most embarrassing thing was, was the fight at, at the battle for Atlantis. I mean, y'all some grown ass man fighting over a damn, you know, a, Crew, like, come on, yo, like, like, you know, you should, you should definitely be better now. What's Floyd? You know, who knows what happened? But that's, there's really just seems like there's been nothing but black eyes. Yeah. To, to what, what, when I grew up, was a golden standard yeah. of, of no athletics doubt. in this region. No doubt about it. You know, and that's really my take about, you know, it's not just because of the struggles this year. It's just because, like you said, from day one, you've just heard, you've just seen and heard and smelled all this smoke that came out of there that. Before, even under a guy like Barbie, who really ran a quote-unquote, I'm going to say this loosely, a renegade program, but, you know, it was it was a little bit more looser, and you didn't have these type of problems that were out in the air. Maybe there was, but it just wasn't out in the air. But, you know, definitely it's going to be something to watch, you know, how this team progresses to finish out the year to see, you know, where, where is UTEP going to go? Is Floyd still that guy? And we'll definitely figure that out. But a, a, kind of a big weekend this weekend. Uh, you know, you're you're a game out of fourth place, but to me, it seems really far fetched at seven and six. You know, a lot of basically, it's, it's out of your control, other than you just winning you winning this weekend. And you got well, Southern you gotta, Miss. You got to run the table more than anything. Yeah, basically, you got to run the table, and you have an opportunity to not really not overlooking Southern Miss. That should be a win, but that La Tech game all of a sudden becomes we're, a game that's really going to decide. Just to just to clarify, we're a game and a half out of first. I'm um, sorry, out of fourth. So. But yeah, I mean, we got to make up. We got to make up. Well, that I guess that Louisiana Tech game though would would cover that other half game. Yeah, so. and I mean, it just it, this is going to be a real interesting stretch because the next four games, I mean, really, really the next three, you're playing three teams that are going to be vying for that for that fourth place spot with Charlotte, Old Dominion, La Tech. Three of these next four are going to real really really be important heading because you know you of course you want to have that top four seed that's important, but also too you, you the way that this UTEP team is. You want to play for matchups. You don't want to play a Marshall in the first round. You know what I mean? You would rather play an FAU or, or you know, Western Kentucky again. I, even though Western Kentucky was a little bit bigger, they jumped up to a 19-point lead. I like the way that we match up with them. I like the way we match up with North Texas. You know, so there's just certain matchups that you want to see. I mean, there's no doubt about it. First of all, Southern Miss, they should roll them. You know, I mean, they were up big on the road. Southern Miss is shorthanded as hell. I mean, I could probably make their – Nine, tenth man rotation. I could just, I could set screens and block out. Doc, what's up? I got, I got three years of eligibility, baby. But that Louisiana Tech game, that is really gonna tell me how far this team's gonna go and whether I'm gonna get excited for a conference tournament or I'm just gonna kind of keep my expectations like I had, where it's just a minute by minute, possession by possession thing. But that Louisiana Tech game will really show how far this team has gone in this league. I want to see. You know, I agree to an extent, but I, I but Louisiana Tech is a little bit of an outlier when it comes to gauging where, where the miners are because 
they're going to want to get up and down the court with the minors. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to play into the style of play that the minors want to play. I want to see how they're going to fare when, they, when they're thrown into the fire in a situation that they're not used to, that they're not able to get up and down the court in that game after at Old Dominion. Yeah. Well, Old Dominion is going to be a much better defensive team. They're going to want to play into the 60s. Exactly. It's going to want to play into the 60s, and you're on the road. You know, so that's a game. If they go in there, you know, it doesn't matter if they if they win – if they, if they go in there and put up a good fight and it's a, it's a game down to the wire, you know, now I'll say, okay, maybe this team really does have something that they can take into Birmingham, take on, get a, on, a, ch- on give a, yourself a chance, give yourself a chance to win some games on a neutral floor, you know, but if, if you could, you know, it's one thing to do it at home and it's one thing to do it against a team that wants to do exactly what you want to do, because then it's easy. You just get the ball, run up the court and shoot, get up the, you know what I mean? It's just back and forth all day long. So you, it, you know, if that's your style, then it doesn't matter who you're doing that against. You're going to probably score a lot of points and have a decent game. But when you're when you're in a situation that you're not really comfortable in, you know, a team's trying to slow the game down, and you're playing some better defense, better defense on you. Uh, that's that's where we're going to get a better, in my opinion, we're going to get a better sense of of how far this team has come along. But I will point out one thing, you know, you look back, and the miners had that that rough stretch. You know, you went you go to MSU uh, in December. And you lose, you come back, you, you lose to UTA, you go to Washington State, you lose. They had that stretch there. And then they came back, and then they scored some points against Samuelson State, against Rio Grande Valley, whatever the hell. You know, you, you go on another four-game win streak there. They had that four-game win streak there. And that was another time where, where we are right now. Maybe they weren't playing as well as they are right now, but that was another time in the season where you're like, okay, they got that out of their system. They're coming. You know, Lose who you're supposed to lose. Yeah, to. and now they're they're getting back together. It's time for conference play, and then after that four game win streak, they just fell apart again, and they lost six of seven. So, I just I like I want to feel like they're playing well, but I just don't know if it's actually playing better. You know what I mean? Like if the, if the team is actually doing playing better, winning basketball, or if it's just a stretch that they're hitting shots and they're, and you know, cause I'm telling you, man, this team is only going to go as far as that jump shot will take them. Once it stops, it stops to fall. We have nothing else to go to. So I don't know if we're actually getting better or if the shots are just falling right now, but you're right. You know, these next couple of games are really going to be telling we better come with a win against Southern Miss. And, you know, then you got a lot tech and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And no, I totally, totally agree. It's going to be a really, really interesting Next two weekends with four really big ones. Like I mentioned, you know, you got three of the four teams that you're basically chasing or, you know, at bay with in the standing. So just kind of moving along here, I want to take it to the comment thread. Had uh, Bishop Minor ask a pretty good question because Desley's been noticing this too. Um, he asked, what is the direction of this team, uh, the recruiting direction for 2016? Um, UTEP holds 14 scholarships for next season. They're still offering point guards and power, uh, power forwards and point guards. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Who was leaving? Are we looking to go small or stick with the tradition and Floyd style? Um, you know, personally, I think they're really looking to grab. I mean, Floyd said it kind of publicly. We're looking for that six nine, six eight guy, and it's real interesting because they just offered a point guard last week. You look at the two guards that are already committed, so it's going to be real interesting to see are they able to pull, um, you know, a, a transfer? They're going to be able to pull, you know, a high school kid. That's really going to be something that's going to keep an eye, keep our eye on. But definitely, they need. You need a you need a rebounder. You know, yeah. you don't really need a guy that's going to come up there and, and shoot fifty percent inside the paint or or be an automatic guy. I mean, it's nice to have, but at the end of the day, you really need a rebounder. Even and at that point, you might want to go that juke. You might want to go that transfer route because you're not going to get a high school kid that's named you know Vince Hunter was the exception. Yeah. You find a Vince Hunter whatever fifteen years, so that's really going to be interesting to watch. And, and to your question, just like we were talking about this about you know, are we going to go small in the future because it's working? I don't think so. I think Floyd wants to stick. I think Floyd wants those big guys. He wants those centers. And, and who is leaving? That's the big question because that is the reason why I think that the rec- – I mean, it, it's like that they learned their lesson from the past of, of being guardless and going big where now they're loading up on guards. And th- there could be somebody that could leave. I mean, the first person that jumps to mind, and, and there's no basis inside, but just dominant artists because – you know, some people may say he has a pro stock. I don't believe it personally um, right now. Not, not but, but 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 somebody can put it in his ear. You know, and that that may be where that is coming where, from. Where possibly, he's come but from, where he's come from in his career, 
I think he's he's probably a little more mature. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, a little definitely. smarter. Than, if this if this would have been his third year at Oregon and there were people in his year, I think yeah, maybe he could have been jumping yeah, ship. But not. But I think after kind of take seeing how how fragile things are and how quickly things can go wrong for you, I think I think he would realize that he's not where he needs to be to actually make it to the pros right now. But I would hope that it's not Dominic. If somebody leaves this program, I would hope it's not Dominic. I just don't think he. It makes sense for him if it's not pro. I don't think it makes sense for him to take off, to go, you know, to transfer somewhere. I mean, that at this point, that is to me. I don't, another I don't see person that came to mind, but you know, I think that it, this would kind of be far fetched, but maybe McSwiggin, you know. But again, with with just because of you know the, the whole NCAA, at the same time he's gonna have it made because next year he's Urban Morris. You know what I mean? McSwiggin is gonna fill that role with Urban Morris. So it's not like he's going to come in and, I mean, of course, he's going to have to fight for minutes, you know, but, but you know, he's going to be that guy. What about he's a guy like gonna be that guy. Touche, I could kind of see it, but, I mean. You know, going back home, playing closer to home, yeah, smaller school. I, I would see that because, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, he, he's a great player in high school, but he just, the Division One domination, you just don't see that. And that, I think maybe we kind of expected that out of him because he was the Gatorade 4A player of the year. I think, you know, not saying that he's a Division Two two player, but for him to dominate and to have that 40% shooting percentage, you know, with over 153s a season, I think you get that as a Division two. But, you know, he has played well as of late, and he's been a nice spell guy for Dominic Artis where he's improved, where there's really not that much drop-off because there would be a huge drop-off early in the year. We noticed that, you know, early in the year, his best game was probably Colorado State. You know, other than that, he really struggled in the stretches. But that's going to be definitely something to watch. He could be – I know, you know, it's just to me, he just seems like a guy that, that – that's kind of paid his dues already with the redshirt year, so stick it out a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? But he does have those grades where, you know, he could maybe get himself where he's immediately eligible somewhere. You never know. But that is another name to watch. I just – I don't see anybody yet concrete. Like, oh, yeah, he's got – you know, the past, it was the Josh Browns. And, you know, you know those scholarship guys weren't going to be happy with their playing time. But, you know, this year you're seeing guys kind of get maybe more playing time than we expected. You know, a guy like Lee Moore, we expected to play a lot. You know, obviously Omega, but it's just, you know, who's that odd man out right now? It's really hard to tell. I don't think so, but, I mean, we see how the world of college basketball is a transfer. So, good question, Bishop Minor. Last note on basketball, kind of a fun thing that I've seen on, on a message board I really want to talk because it really was interesting to me. I mean, I put up a Twitter poll yesterday, and, and the, the Twitter poll really, really surprised the hell out of me. You know, um, so basically I seen it on, on minor digs where – Somebody was asking, should they retire the 1966 Texas Western uniforms? After that, that was a question on it. Should they retire them? My question on Twitter was, should they retire them after the season? Thirty-six percent say yes. That's, uh, no, no matter how you how you do it, though, that's split, man. Yeah, that's a split, pretty split much, pretty game. much, it, it, it's close. But I expected more. No, with only twenty-five percent special occasions, only thirty-five percent. So it's really split. But I, I personally thought that we would have over 40%, 50% no. Because, like I told you, I'm kind of on the fence of it where I think that we should kind of move on because, you know, it, it, it's a great part of our history. I'm not saying forget it, but maybe move on and, and, and kind of let these guys just chill. You know what I mean? Like seeing them over the weekend, like these dudes are old, man. Like they, you know, I don't know how many more tribute things they could come up to, you know what I mean? Like, or like show up to. Well, that, I, I, that I completely that, agree. That, I mean. but, 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 but basically what I'm saying is, you know what, like it, it, it is part of history. Let's just bring it out, you know, once a year, twice a year, maybe, you know what I mean? But I think that, that out of the respect for what they did, you know, it's the same thing like retiring the jersey. You know, I, I that's my take. I would have probably agreed with that if we would have gotten the Kentucky rematch. That's true. You know, like if we would actually, if, that would have kind of put closure on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and beat them. And be, well, maybe, well, but probably not. Know. But you know what I mean? Like that, that would have given us some closure in a sense. And then you can go and retire the jerseys. But you know, I don't, I don't know that. It, I don't know that retiring the jerseys shows like as much respect. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a good thing. Like I think it gets people hyped up. You know, UTEP. Texas Western, whatever, is still the only university in Texas to win a college basketball championship. And, and you know, that's something to be proud of. And I think as long as we can hold on to that, then we should. Now, as far as bringing these guys out, yeah, like, honestly, 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 it's, it's getting ridiculous. 
you know, they made this whole thing about it, and it was great. You know, it was and, awesome. And you should have. You should yeah, have. you should have. But, but, but we, they do that to them, like, it seems like it's almost every, every yeah. home game. It seems like they're almost they're, – they're presenting them, every, like, it's all the time. And it's like, you know, that – you know, let them, you know, retire. Like, you know, no need to bring them back. But you know what? The jerseys, I think it's good for the program. I think it's good for the city. I think it gets people fired up when they see those jerseys. I know I like seeing them. I like them, too. I like seeing them. That's why I'm so torn and, in between. Jerseys. And it's a good marketing ploy. You know, yeah, if they is. get out there, they get to give these jerseys away and stuff. You know, when I know the minor maniacs were wearing that yeah. style for a while. And, you know, it's just it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the school and for the city, I think. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a nice you know, marketing ploy, and and again, I think it gets fired people fired up. I don't think it's time to retire them. I think if you had, you know, that closure, like I was saying with Kentucky, maybe you can kind of make that. But I just, you know, I think you hold on to it as long as you can, man. As long as you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm. On, I just thought it was so interesting because, you know, when I can't make a decision on whether I like something or not, it kills me. I'm thinking, damn, what, like, you know, because I see both sides of it. Yeah, I love, I love them. When they first busted those out, I was like. Want me one of those? I won't even wear it. I just want to frame it somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, I said I just think like, you know, that it, it, it's I'm I'm gonna be that guy. Yeah, it is 50 years ago. We need to build a new legacy. But you know, but it is part of this history. It's part of what makes UTEP UTEP. Even if they wanted to Texas West, I mean, that's how UTEP is known. Glory Road, Don Haskins, Bobby Joe Hill. You know, those are the first three things you hear about when you talk to somebody that doesn't really know UTEP, but they know, you know, the situation or the history. So real interesting, really, really interesting topic that I thought, and I wanted to get everybody else's opinion. And, and I guess everybody's like me, they're split. You know what I mean? The, the, the majority of the hundred and whatever people voted are split. So real interesting topic, but I think the most, the, the, the UTEP athletic team that had the most, I don't, I don't want to call this drama, but most happenings, was the UTEP football team, you know, probably was since December. Yeah. And finally today, everything kind of got settled in. So we think. We think. I mean, they say it. Let's look back to your run under Coogler. Remember, we lost our D coordinator in the summer. Spring, so, yep. Or spring. So we're not we're not out of the woods just yet. But, yeah, it seems like everything's been wrapped up. Um, you know, you got some good hires. You got some good hires. Guys that are obviously you – know, look – when I first saw, like, for instance, when I first saw Peace as as the guy that was coming in to be the OC, I was excited about it. You know, guy's got a hell of a resume. He's been around the block. He's been at some big programs. He's coached under some great coaches. I was kind of discouraged, though, when I started seeing, I don't know if you noticed this, I'm sure you did, some of the some of the, the people from the schools where he was at previously kind of bashing Especially him. Florida. Bashing him. Especially they were Florida like fans. they were like, Oh, these guys are getting Sorry, happy did. over. Sorry, yeah, and I'm like, uh, you know, and but at the same time, he fits Kugler's mold. Yeah. Like he fits what Kugler wants to do with this offense. And that's a good thing. Like if you have somebody that, that can do that, then then I think it's better for us. You know, Patrick Higgins wasn't that guy. No. As much as you the thing about it is, like, you can be a good offensive mind and, and still run the ball 40 times a game. You know what I mean? Like, it, but it just seemed like there was no creativity in running the football with Patrick Higgins. And I think that's something that will change with Peace. Easily. I think they'll be able to use more of their weapons and just kind of keep defenses off balance that we didn't see under Higgins. It was just too predictable. And and that's that's the thing. Like when if you are gonna run the ball, you can't be predictable. Like as much as doing as much as being one minded or however you want to put it is is predictable, you can't be predictable. You have to switch things up, shake up formations, do run different plays out of out of different formations, different options, whatever it might be. To, to that way, you just keep it keep the defense off balance. It's like you were talking about, you know, it seemed like every time you saw a certain formation, you knew exactly where the play was going. You know. Okay can't have that. And I think a guy like Peace will bring that. You know, he knows how to coach big-time football. He knows how to coach in this type of offense. And, and he just – I think he, he's a good fit for Sean Cooper. Yeah. And we'll, we'll run down these coaches. But what I want to say about Peace is the way – there was a really good article. I don't know if I have it bookmarked here. Let me see if I can find it. But there's a really good article that basically explained – I have it saved on my work browser um, – that pretty much explained what the offense is going to look like. And, and there's three – components to the Brett Peace offense that I really love because one, we have the linemen to do it. Two, you have the skill guys to do it that are returning. Number one is leverage. 
That's the big key in his offensive leverage. You're going to see, you know, you're going to see so much motion. You're going to see them line up in one formation, and all of a sudden you're going to see them branch out into another formation to get that leverage. It's not really like a check with me type of deal, but it's like, look, this is what the defense is doing. This is what we're going to show them. And then you make a check, and somebody's going to go this way. Leverage is going to be a big one. The second one that, that came up was grass. Grass meaning we're going to be loaded up where you're not going up. Kind of the same thing with the leverage deal, which is something that was desperately lacking under a Patrick. We're talking about running to a short side or running into to a, a stacked box. You're really not going to see that no more with Brent Peace. You're going to see him use the you're going to see him use his athletes in space where there's grass, where there's room to run. Talking about rolling out to a guy into a short part of this. How many times do we see that where a guy like Mac Leftwich or even particularly Jamil Showers, they did that to a lot was annoying. Jamil was kind of that guy that needed that speed. And the third aspect is using your personnel. And that's really a big thing that you see at Boise State, what they did under Brent Peace with a guy like Doug Martin and all those type of weapons where you really couldn't pick your poison with one because they can run the ball well, but they'll hit you with that play action. They'll hit you with that tight end across the middle where you're not expecting it. And I think those aspects are beautiful. And, and the, the number one thing that really got me fired up for Brent Peace when, when they introduced him, I talked about the linemen. And I talked about that leverage stuff. And his eyes lit up because they have now you can go a legitimate, legitimate, 10 to 11, two deep offensive line and, and use these unbalanced lines that we're going to see. And you have athletic linemen that you can put in motion and that can block going downhill. Don't have to just block straight up from a three-point stance. And I think that right there, not just not the fact that Aaron Jones is coming back or Warren Reddick's had a great year or Batson or, or you know, we're trying to figure out the quarterback, but because UTEP now has these linemen where these unbalanced lines of, of Brent Peace is going to come in using this leverage grass deal, it's going to work. It's going to work against smaller defensive lines, smaller, quicker defensive lines at Conference USA, the smaller, quicker linebackers. It's really going to work when, when you're able to, to, to have that leverage with speed behind them. You know, a guy that can change direction like Aaron Jones. You know, so that's really, I think that's really got me fired up. When I, when I talked to Brent Peace and he talked about using these linemen more than using, you know, a skill guy or, oh, we're going to throw more. It's no, look, we have the linemen to set up what we want to be, which should open up the rest of it. Yeah. And that's really why I think that that, that was missing from a Patrick Higgins standpoint, because like you said, it was just the same formation. There was no type of creativity of, hey, look, they're overloading this side or, you know, I think it's just going to be a lot more, it's going to be way more unpredictable. And plus with that lineman that they have, I mean, this is really, this is built for, this is almost the perfect hire for Sean Cougar because of what he's built recruiting wise. So I'm really, really excited. Now the next thing is quarterback development, which, you know, we're going to have, all spring and in fall to talk about. So, you know, that's the next thing that's going to be, who's going to be that guy in this offense. But, you know, moving again, on. To, to, we're yeah, going to talk right? about that again yeah, for the second straight here. And then moving on to, to what I thought was one of the – I mean, Peace was obviously, to me, the home run hitting hire, the triple hire, the guy that got the triple, Dyron Arch, you know, the wide receiver coach. That was a really good hire. Number one, recruiting. I mean, we're already seeing him hit that Dallas area or hit that Houston area and bring kids in here, you know, bringing that Dylan Parsi kid from San Angelo, you know, where he, where he was coaching the Angelo state. I mean, that right there, that's a great hire. And I really thought that they were more of an air raid type of offense, but this is the same concepts. So not only are these guys going to learn, you know, they're going to be better receivers as far as pass, but they're going to learn how to block in this type of spread power run that we're going to see with, with, uh, with a guy like Brent Peace. And then de- defensive coordinator, I mean, wow. <laughs> Cougar just cannot catch a break with a defensive coordinator. I mean, the, the timeline from it went from Castile's the guy to, oh, wait, no, Castile backed out to, okay, now it's Ken Flagel, but Castile was never in play. And then, okay, it is Flagel, and then Flagel takes the, 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 the Eagles job. And then both of them backed out. Castillo did have an offer. And then all of a sudden it's, it's Tom Mason and it's okay. That, that seems more of the guy that's going to come. You know what I mean? But what are your thoughts on this? It's, it does fit what UTEP does as far as, you know, what honestly, they have man, I'll just cut straight to it until I see otherwise, I would have rather not seen a switch on defense. I mean, either. I mean, we, we know, I mean, we don't know a lot, but you know, we know a little bit about, apparently some things that were going on and there's bigger reasons to why there is no longer laughable reason. Yeah. But you know, regardless of that, like I just, the defense did make the second half of the year, even though I wasn't, I didn't really necessarily like, you know, where they were at. 
I didn't like the, the I don't like I'm not a big fan of the four two five, but they had made strides. They had started to play better. They were competitive. Stuff in the run. <laughs> and when I saw when I saw Castile, I thought. Uh, I mean, okay. I, could, I, I didn't, didn't want. I didn't want a three three five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but you know, I was like, oh, recruiting okay, names. Let's, yeah, let's let's we could do this. And then, and then it was like, all right, Castile's out. When I saw Flagel, I was like, all right, That's this good. this is just seems like a hard nosed type dude, just no no bullshit type guy. And and I was I was ready for. That. I mean, you talk about the Browns and their defense, man. I mean, they, that's that's what they play. And so I just. I was down with that. I was, for lack of better words, I was down with that. And then when that went out the window, it was like, we're screwed. Well, yeah, where do you go now? Where like, do you go? And and Tom Mason comes in. Look, Tom Mason's got a great resume as well. He's been around the block. Great recruiter, too. Great recruiter from what we've seen so far. The only thing that I just don't like, man, is you look at the two years that he had as a interim head coach. Yeah. And you can name 100 reasons why the team didn't play well, but they finished, what, 2-10 and 10 both times or something yeah, like that? They were it's bad. Like, it's like, ah, uh, that, that kills me right there, man. Like, I, granted, he's not our head coach. He's a DC, but still, you want to see a guy that's able to lead teams. And and again, like we say in basketball, you know, get the most out of your players. And those are his players because play he, well. he was a main recruiter there in the Dallas area. You know, so yeah. that, and, and I agree. But I don't know. I mean, you can't you can't judge the guy before he actually takes yeah. off, take a step onto the field and call some plays. And, but, but but that's the only guy that we're kind of all on the fringe with because you yeah. just I mean, yes, you have the personnel to run it. You know, can they learn it? It doesn't seem like it's. it's I mean, according to According to uh, to Mason, it is a little bit more of a co- – it's complex. But, I mean, looking at – going to practices and watching Scott Stoker's defense, I mean, dude, that shit – I mean, you're, it's not just shoot a gap. It's not just this is your assignment. I mean, there is a lot of variables. There's a lot of communication that would go on with that 4-2-5. I played in a 4-3 my whole life. You know, so it's pretty much simple. I mean, you're looking at your keys. You're looking at gaps. You're looking at assignments. You're looking at that tight end. If they run a tight end spread, you know, you're looking at formations and matchups. But it's just, it, I don't, I just don't know. I just, I really just that's when the only it comes to, to Mason, it's just that's the only way to put it. Now you now deep can that's the thing. It's like okay, we had good run stoppers last year, but now I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It's like you just until I see like maybe four spring practices, four spring practices, two scrimmages. Maybe then I'll be like, okay, like I can't make, but, I can't, but, make, but it's still I can't make a call on that until next year, yeah, man. You know, I mean, see, you know, we've been fooled in spring before. We've been yeah. fooled in spring, summer, fall ball before. You know, you see some good things in the in the scrimmages, and you're like, man, these guys look good. And then come game time, it's just a completely different thing. The game's played at a different speed, and it's hard to judge. Uh, you know, you can't judge the guy before he's he's called any plays, man. Yeah. But it's just it, un- it, it, if you're easy. a betting man, if you're a betting man. Or woman, whatever you want to say, you know, would it, that's kind of fitting that that little <laughs> right at the same time. Uh, but you know, if you're if you're a betting man, you know, would you rather stick with Scott Stoker or would you take a chance on Tom Mason? Nah, for sure Stoker. That's I what mean, I'm saying. You know, man. so that's the tough part for me. That's it's a like, coach that you want to talk about getting some other players. Stoker. I yeah, mean, and, and to me, you took a step back. Yeah. Now maybe maybe you know Mason has the better resume, but to me you took a step back. And until until Tom Mason proves otherwise, I just I have a hard time thinking that we're we're better off with him than we were with Scott Stoker. Yeah. Again, I didn't really like the four two five. I thought it caused a lot of issues. I thought we didn't have the the, the personnel in the, in the secondary to play that type of defense. But he got a lot out of his players, and they started playing well. They started responding, and they played well down the stretch. They kept us in football games, and you know I just. I don't know, man. You, you really, we 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 took a step back. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you take a step back from a coaching angle, but you still got some talent there. You still yeah, got your Aaron Jones, you are Alvin Jones. You got now Sky they got to learn a whole new system. But not, but yeah, see, and, and that's that double-edged sword when you come in. But it's gonna be real interesting for his defensive staff. He added uh, Derek Bell today, uh, really well. I mean, the dude seems like he's gonna kill it in recruiting. That's the biggest thing I got from Darius Bell is that. He really balances out this staff, like I was telling Anthony in the beginning. You know, this is not like a diss on any of these guys, but you got a bunch of older guys in there. You yeah. know, you got you got guys that have been around. Daniel Nowski is another guy we'll touch on here real quickly. Um, but Darius Bell is kind of that, you know, that that uh, that shift, you know, that little shift and that that, some, that kind of balance that you need. I think that you need on coaching staff. You need to have different type of personalities. You have different walks of background. You know, you can't really just get the same vision of a guy you want that vision but that same style you want to have it differently and I think he's really going to relate to these younger cornerbacks because you have 
have these corners, your Nick Needhams, your Kalon Beverly's for the next couple of years. So I think he's going to fit in that. And I also think he's going to help recruiting. He's from the Dallas area. He was a three-star recruit himself coming out of Dallas, one of the highly touted defensive backs in his class. So that's I think it's going to be it's going to pay dividends for recruiting. And another guy that I really like recruiting is Yanowski. You know, Yanowski's taking over for Gabe Franklin. Obviously, you guys know we read right up on the rush that you know he, uh, Franklin took the job over at Boise. So Yanowski is a guy that's been a recruiting coordinator. Cougar said today at LSU. Um, a couple other power fives can't come to my head right now, but you know he he seems like a guy that that could really get the job done and raise the the, the recruiting level, and, and that's kind of like a segue into what we're going to get into recruiting because the biggest thing I noticed once these guys were in place, or you know we didn't we, they weren't announced, you know we knew that Yanowski was in place, we knew Peace was in place, we knew Ice was in place. You saw the recruiting definitely raise the, the the level of athlete they're going after. You know, we we I mean we we wrote on a we went on a, a double man piece last year talking about um you know talking about how UTEP will never be a, a top 50 recruiting class and how recruiting rankings are out the window. But this group, within a month and a half, you know, yeah, about a month and a half maybe took nine recruits, ten, ten commits to 24 signees, and from we've been at the bottom to a top 100 in rivals. You know, and, and, and really, I went on uh, Kapowitz and them show and talked about how it really is these coaches that have these connects. You know, you look at the perfect example to me was you bring in Tom Mason. And Tom Mason, when I interviewed Tom Mason, again, he talked about he had those Dallas-Fort Worth connections. And the first his first commit, Sione Tiapu from Allen High School. I mean, that right there, now, now Sione is not a, a – three-star, four-star top guy. But this was a, a productive player on one of the best high school football teams in the nation. That that right there, that's a prime example. You know, you look at what Tyron Eichbott and, and Dylan Parsi, a guy that was committed to Stephen F. Austin, perfect outside linebacker fit, great length, great arms, went on his visit, boom, they got him. I really think that this coaching staff is going to raise the level of recruiting, you know, development. That's the next thing that I really want to watch with these guys, because a guy like Yanowski has kind of been out of the NFL or he's been out of college football for a while. Tyron Arch hasn't been at a division one program yet. And Brent Peace, we talked about his last two stints didn't go that well. So, you know, as far as the off the field stuff, and it's funny because when we, when we reported about um, Brent Peace, like four or five recruits were like, oh, shit, Brett Prince is at UTEP on Twitter. And it's like, dude, like, he's a name. Yeah. And, and a lot of these guys are, are – there may not be big names to most, but to high school coaches that have dealt with these guys before, they're good people. You know, they, they, they have that history. And I think that's really, really what you're going to see with this UTEP pro, football program, just because of these coaches that they bring in. And, you know, standing ovation to Sean Cooler. Really, like we said, Sean Cougar is committed to win, and he wasn't going to sit pat one more year because you can't. He, he had every – he really he had every right to because it was year three because of the injuries, because he's kept that staff around where, okay, let's just one more year, you know, because it's familiarity. But Cougar wasn't having it. He identified those problems, got rid of whatever was happening, whether it was on field, whether it was off field, whether it was between, you know, personal stuff, whatever it may have been, you know, he took care of this this yeah. program and, and put it to the forefront, I believe, as far as, you know, their, the potential that we have with these recruiting classes that he's brought in, because now you have depth. Now you're having depth and you're added 23 guys that can really add future depth. And, and so I'm just really, really pleased with the direction that Sean Cougar has gone in and, you know, mixed with these recruiting classes and what's returning, you know, these next two years should be competitive. I'm not going to sit here and tell y'all, we're need, that we're going to be competing for conference titles, but we're going to be competitive with these schedules. You know, these this this year's schedule is cupcake. You know, from from now sitting today in February, you know, we can say that. But really, there, there's no excuse for this program to be competing to get to seven wins. You, you know, next year to me, we better the, be the, back the goal, to a ball game. Yeah, the, next year to me, the goal should be eight games because of the schedule. You know, flat out. I mean, that schedule. I, I see eight winnable games. I see six winnable games at home, and two possibly that you can go on the road and steal. You know, so it, it's really this is kind of almost a a must-have year, I think, fans because of what you have coming back. But there's no doubt that I think Sean has this thing. I would. I don't want to call it rolling just yet, but the pieces are starting to fall in place 
for maybe some immediate success here in the next couple years just because of the recruiting, the depth. And now you're getting these new faces, this new juice in here, these guys that really seem like they're happy to be here to have this opportunity. And, and you're seeing that respect that they're giving Sean. So really, really kind of excited. But, you know, I, I don't know how much you follow on um, recruiting, football recruiting, but, I mean, this was a really, really decent class. You know, last year we were kind of like, well – you know, you got a couple names, you got some, you know, a couple guys that came in and played right away, you know, Kalon Beverly, um, you know, just to name a couple, you know, Sky Logan was another guy. But, you know, this class really, I don't see that many players that can come up and step up and make an impact right away, but you've got some quality depth that you can develop. And that's really what you want to do at this level, you know, yeah. because you're not, like we mentioned, you're not going to get the three, four-star guys, but you want to get these guys with, with Division One potential that can grow, that can get in that weight room to learn and now two three years when you're Aaron Jones and your Alvin Joneses and your Devin Cockrells those guys you know start moving on now you're having you know a bunch of these recruits that I mean it's El Paso heavy it's Texas heavy that's really what I like to see because we saw in the first couple of years you know they went out of state to try to get some size now you're seeing them really just attack recruiting areas that UTEP hasn't really attacked and executed that way so it's, I think this recruiting cycle was very very was better than I thought it was because we're sitting here in December with 10 recruits, seven of them from El Paso. And I'm thinking, damn, dude, yeah. this is going to be, this ain't looking good. This, this just wasn't looking good. But the way that they were able to finish, they had two big recruiting weekends and they snagged some talented players. The first guy that jumps off the bat to me, Keith Sullivan, probably the highest rated guy, 6'7", 255 from Houston, Texas. That is another example of how the level of recruiting is going. This guy, we had no idea. You know, me and Angel really did, you know, we're kind of trying to stay on top of everything, but there's always those ones that slip. This was one of them, you know, but he, I mean, he basically, basically it was Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Boise State, you know, and we, and he picked UTEP. That, that right there, that kid, I think, could come in. He's that Roy Robertson Harris type of replacement. And obviously it's different now with that 3-4, but that's another, that, that's the guy I think that can make a difference. The other guy that, that's, these are the two headliners. And if you've been reading the rush, you already know who they are. The other one is going to be the running back um, out of Baltimore, Maryland. Can't think of his name because I'm doing the show and, you know, it just doesn't flow as much, but uh, Dupree, uh, Antonio Dupree. I Jermaine? Mean, Jermaine Dupree, yeah, right. You're where the party at. <laughs> but Antonio Dupree, I mean, that's another guy where you're seeing the level of at least two, three-star guys, in this class, and they're legitimate three stars. I mean, this isn't just a, a, a recruiting service hyping these kids up. I think they're two legitimate three stars that can really come in. And not only that, you know, you need running backs. They got running backs. Yeah, I think they saw last year what happened with the injuries and whatnot and started running very thin oh. towards the end of the season. I think and, and that, that kind of shows through in the recruiting because they definitely brought on a few uh, headline by, by Dupree and was it Quadres? 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 Of the year, I mean, 20, 2,500 yards and 45 touchdowns. Look, I don't care if it's freaking old man, two one leg, <laughs> bow legged football, dude. You're you're running for 2,500 yards and 45 tuds, like in 13 games. Like you didn't like that's ridiculous, man. I mean, yeah, I, there, there, there's and it's funny because you know you watch these kids and you know they look well, but a guy like Wadley, a guy like uh, you know a guy like Jabril Sullivan, man. They they just look like I can always tell you they look like men like boys. Aaron Aaron Jones, if y'all if y'all want to really really see how good Aaron Jones like what I'm talking about, go watch Aaron Jones and how he's not he's never tackled. He's just running by cats. Like it'll be just a simple 28 sweep. The guard will miss the block and Aaron Jones just sidesteps at full speed and then hits the sideline. It's like you know those are those are the guys that when you really watch film on these skill guys and you just see them just. Sprint past everybody, dominate. Like I said, somebody can miss two bucks, and all they got to do is shift or, or, or just run past them. Don't, these three guys, don't, they're really like that. Another guy, Walter Don. You know, this is this – is, I'm really – I was so pissed that we didn't get to see Terry Janelle last year. Walter, Walter Don is like a – I don't want to call him um, – what's the fool from uh, Sproles? I don't want to call him Darren Sproles, but he has that ability of being put in the slot, returning kicks, you know, being that – type of offensive weapon. And I think that right there is really, they just upgraded their speed in so many areas. And then defensively as well, some of the linebackers, Colby McGarry, we talked about Sione Tio. They're going to need linebackers. That's really a concern of mine on the defensive side. I think they got a couple of guys that, that can maybe possibly fill in, talking maybe a guy like Sione Tiopu, but he can definitely use, um, you know, a redshirt year. Colby McGarry, six foot, 205 pounder from Cedar Hills, another guy that, 
play that high level type of football like Tofu and, and you know maybe another guy like Dylan Parsi. I think Dylan Parsi from San Angeles is another guy that you're going to see because he's so long. You know that you just it's hard you you can't it's hard to to coach that type of length. And he when when you watch his what is based on film, he just stays. He moves very well laterally for a linebacker in a 3-4. And I think those are the guys, the, the handful of guys that you may see crack the depth chart this year. But, I mean, majority of this class, I think it's good enough to just kind of put away, redshirt these guys, redshirt them, mess around with some scholarships. And talking with Sean Kugler today, they have two or three scholarships available for a JUCO guy, a, a late qualifier, um, you know, a transfer. So I don't think that, that – I still think that they're going to add a couple more transfers before the season ends, you know, a guy like Terry Janelle, hopefully yeah. another guy like that. You know, you, you need they need maybe one or two more offensive weapons, but they definitely need linebackers, you know, that really complete this whole transition to three four, which is like we said, <laughs> we'll just kind of wait in see mode with that. But so I mean, just what are these outside thoughts on this recruiting thing? I mean, what kind of is, is, is it kind of improved? You you follow recruiting? I, I just feel way like before, look, look, I think I think every year for the past. I don't know how many years, three, four years, we've kind of felt like even going back to the price days, you know, we kind of felt like you get, you get real excited. I guess you could say, you know, you see, you see this stuff on paper, you see guys like Quadres rush for Quadres Wadley rush for, for 2,500 yards. And, you know, you're like, dang, like, how does that happen? How does a guy go on notice like that? How do we get that guy? You know what I mean? Oh. And and I'm not saying that these aren't good athletes. I'm not saying he won't do well, but I feel like we see that type of stuff over and over, and we kind of get into this, like, man, this is one of the best recruiting classes we've seen in years, and really only time can tell, you know, because every, everything's different once once you actually step on the football field. I, I like that that Sean Kugler has made it just – it, it's just definitely something that he, he has made a, a, a priority – in sticking to El Paso, in, in keeping the El Paso talent here locally, giving these guys scholarships, you know, not, not we're not talking about yeah. just walk-ons, you know, back in the day, you know, you had even Price, I think Price was really the one that started yeah. doing this, you know, as far as recent memory. Come try out and maybe. We'll yeah, and, and you know, we'll he had a few guys that he did recruit, some of the high, bigger names, but, you know, he brought a few El Paso guys in, a lot of them were walk-ons though, but you're really seeing Sean Kugler go after these guys and, and recruit them like they deserve to be recruited. I mean, there is talent here. You know, it may go unnoticed to the rest of the country, but there is talent here. And Sean Kugler starting to kind of tap into that. And that, that's a good thing. And he continues to do it. He's made it a priority. I like that he's keeping them here local. And, and I like the fact like you're talking about, you bring in these guys, you know, that I can't even pronounce his name. They, they <laughs> on a, 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 I, I, H, 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 yeah. you know, you know, you bring in guys like this that can that can recruit the state of Texas because that's one of the things that, for for pretty much all of UTEP football history, people have said couldn't be done. You know, how are you going to compete? You 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 when you talk to people about UTEP football and they talk about recruiting, they're like, well, how are you going to compete against UT and and Houston and Texas A&M and all these other big schools? You know. You don't really have to. I mean, there's so much talent to go around, but you need the guys that are familiar with certain areas that are able to get out there. And, yeah, you may not get four- and five-star guys, but you're going to steal a couple three-star here and there. You're going to find the ones that go unnoticed, and that's what you need. And so I like I like that this staff has kind of come to a point where they're very committed to the state of Texas, very committed to El Paso. And, and we do see a lot of talent, man. I mean, it's an exciting class, but, again – I feel like I feel like that every single yeah, year. I feel oh, like yeah. I'm just like, it, you know, National Signing Day comes. You're like, oh, we got this guy and we got this guy. He's a three-star guy. And you're like expecting so much. You got to wait to see if it actually and, and Especially out. with this class because you have those guys. But at the same time, we may not – like I said, most of these guys, they're going to probably put away because you can. You have that ability now. You have so – I mean, this redshirt – I'm more excited about this redshirt freshman class from last year in, in the past two years because then we'll really see, you know, like you said, you don't know right away. Yeah. But I think this particular class has that two to three year potential where you're seeing maybe 10 to 12 guys from this class, like actually, you know, making a difference, not, you know, maybe not all conference type guys, but package guys, you know, specialty guys. And I think this is what this, this is what I think each class is what Cooler wants. Like you mentioned last year, if we can hit on 10 to 12 of these guys every yeah. year, we're doing something right. Yeah. This class, I think you hit on no, no less than 12. You know what I mean? Now, maybe not this year. Like I mentioned, there may be five to seven guys that may see the field, 
field this year. But I think in this class, no less than 12 of these guys are going to be hit, and you will see them at some point make an impact. But, you know, I, I, like you mentioned, like I mentioned, I just, I just love seeing the level of, of recruit that we're going after and, and the area that we're going after. And that's really kind of promising to, to you know, like people say, compete with these type of Texas schools, UTSA. You know, it, that's really more the competition. Were you just going to say UTSA? That, that's more the competition, North Texas, UTSA, all those fools, you know. We shouldn't, know, we shouldn't, so. with those guys, we shouldn't but that's, that's, the, that's just the truth, my brother. And I only speak the truth. So. Oh, man. So now let's preview the Pope, His Holiness. Uh, <laughs> I hope none of y'all are going to have to see that. I shouldn't say that. Hope, well, okay, if you go out there, hope you have a, a plan to avoid traffic and not well, get to be like, what, a million people? I mean, the estimate started at hundreds of thousands. They're up to like a million people. It's going like, to be more than people. I mean, though. I just, I'm just i just going to stay home. I'm just, that's why I'm glad I work in the Northeast, live in the Northeast. I don't, I don't work. I don't work. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have to do anything, man. I just wake up, maybe go eat some breakfast with my wife and, you know. Wait for Thursday to come and check, check out these minors and see what happens in basketball, man. I mean, I hate I hate getting my hopes up, you know. I hate starting to well, – I, I can't say I hate it. It just sucks that I feel like I'm going to, like, get let down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you start getting your hopes up and you're like, all right, they're starting to play well. And then I just feel like I'm I'm just setting myself for setting myself up for an even bigger letdown, man. I don't even know what to expect well, anymore. I, I, I think I can guarantee that. Doc will come here and get his ass whooped. Well, that's, yeah, that, that, Saturday, that's, that's true. That, that but may but be then, the... you know, you talk about Louisiana <laughs> Tech, Old Dominion, you got Charlotte. I just – Big, big stretch. Big, big, big stretch, stretch, man. man. I mean, it's, it's, about, it's about confidence. It's about gelling. And, you know, even though you're going to have bag, it's about them conference standards right now. But Well, I can say one thing. You didn't skip a beat, man. I'm rusty as hell. <laughs> I'm tired. You know, it's like – before, when we used to get to the hour and a half mark is when I started losing. I couldn't even talk anymore. I just didn't even know how, how to, like, the words just wouldn't come out. <laughs> now we, we hit 45 minutes, and I'm just, like, falling asleep, dude. But good. it's good. fun. It's good. it's good to be back and with another episode of Rush. Hope you all enjoyed it. You all know where to find us. And when I say us, I mean Alex. I'll be out there trying to help out as much as possible. But you know where to find this guy's great work. Minorrush.com. SBNMinorrush at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash Minorrush. At SVN Minor Rush on Twitter. Did I say that? That's right. That's right. You got it right. I can't even remember your Poppy Chulo Instagram account. Oh, no, it's hidden now. It's hidden now. Too many stock is Ever since I've grown this thing, bro. <laughs> <it's been crazy. laughs> Peace. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.